1: Your twenties are for learning, and your you know your thirties are then for earning. So, I actually took uh, one of the lowest paid jobs I've ever had, uh, working for a, a real estate company. And and the reason I took that job was uh, to learn all the cool things uh, when it comes to property investing. You know, so things like your renovations, subdivisions, strata, titling. Um, you know, not just simply buying property, holding and waiting.
0: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with property investor and developer Drew Evans. He will show us how property investing should be as easy as pie through planning for the worst-case scenario and cover his journey from a close call in Zimbabwe to saving $39,000 for his first deposit to start his own prosperous business. Also before we delve into this episode, go over to propertyinveststory.com and subscribe to receive your free property investor case studies where you'll learn how to generate passive income from your properties. Go there now to sign up for free.
1: My name is Drew Evans and uh, I'm the director of uh, a company called Kaifu Property and um, so uh, we basically help people generate truckloads of equity as quick as possible um, through using property investment.
0: Great. Well, that's very interesting. Can I just find out how did you come up with the name Kaifu? Is it Kaifu?
1: Yeah, long long story. It was uh, made probably about six or seven years ago. Um, I was actually in in China at a property conference there. and. Uh, Kaifu comes from the word meaning uh, prosperity, wealth and riches in, in Mandarin. It uh, came back to Australia and I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. But um, it's kind of a, a u- unique name so everyone can sort of go, ah, oh, what, what does it mean? And they sort of kickstart the conversation.
0: Yeah, well, it definitely got me kickstarted on this conversation. I had to ask you. It was very interesting. <laughs> now, I know the background story. That's very unique. And obviously, sure. it's, it would have been an easy name to pick up in terms of domain name and, and getting all your assets and stuff. Competition.
1: Yeah. I guess, yeah, Kai-Fu Property is just, uh, um, I guess, our foundation company. Uh, the, the, the better question, I guess, is the types of programs that we actually run. So, uh, you know, we, we run programs called Automatic Equity, um, Equity Developer, and Equity Builder, which is the three different levels of programs, uh, depending on all, all of our clients, uh, because everybody's at a different stage uh, or level of their investing career. Uh, so we've got a tailor-made program for each and every person.
0: These programs detail a service which cater to the individual's needs to help them achieve good results in their property investing journey.
1: I've been working in in the property investing industry for the better part of a decade and uh, my experience, Tyrone, is that people, uh, as much as they want to get educated and have mentors and stuff like that, they're probably more interested in actually generating the results. So that's what our business is all about. You know, education for us is a natural um, uh, process of dealing with us. Uh, but really, people come to us to access the best results possible. You know, hence uh, our names. You know, automatic equity, equity builder, and uh, an equity developer.
0: So, what does a typical day look like for Evans?
1: It varies day to day because I do have such a wide range of clients. But uh, my normal day sort of starts off by uh, you know, sort of checking emails, making sure that I'm on top of everything with the team. Uh, you know, having a debrief with my business partner Damien uh, in specific relation to where you know, the property opportunities are, Uh, and then it's a case of trying to catch up with as many clients as possible, Uh, you know, finding out, well, what are their goals? What are their objectives? What are they trying to achieve? Uh, And then a big part of my day is is tailor-making a strategy uh, to make sure whatever property, uh, I guess, we're recommending to our clients is going to help set them up, not set them back. So uh, my role at the moment is very, very varied, uh, but it's all about getting the best possible results for our clients uh, to make sure that, uh, you know, we can help set them up and they keep coming back to us time and time again.
0: Definitely, and obviously, a happy client means more more happy customers coming through the door and through word of mouth.
1: Yeah, we've well, been pretty lucky, mate. Where we haven't had to spend too much money on uh, on marketing, advertising. Uh, we've got uh, a lot of client success stories that, that have been featured in all the, the magazines recently. You know, so your investment property magazine, uh, Smart Property Investment Magazine, and uh, and back in the day, um, API as well. So, I mean, you know, you look after your clients, and, and the rest sort of looks after itself. So, we're very fortunate where we do have such a high uh, referral, word of mouth, uh, type, type, business.
0: Originally from Zimbabwe in Africa, Evan's life has changed for the better.
1: I was at boarding school, grew up, uh, you know, my whole life there until so I was about fifteen. And uh, unfortunately, it's a bit of a sad story, which now is now is a positive. We, uh, I grew up on a farm with my family, and uh, basically, I was at boarding school at the time. Uh, my old man called me and said, Drew, you're not going back to school? Uh, you know, Dad lost the farm, he got badly beaten up, was almost killed. And uh, we moved to Australia in, uh, in 2001. So, uh, most of my life I grew up in, uh, in Africa. Um, in Australia, I've been in, uh, in Newcastle, uh, in New South Wales, as well as uh, now I live in Double Bay in Sydney. It's a sad story um, because the, the country had so much potential and a lot of stuff going for it. And uh, I guess I'm very fortunate to have such a blessed upbringing. Um, at the time, it was pretty sad, mate, you know, he, uh, he, he built his farm from scratch, had absolutely nothing and, uh, mate, it was, uh, you know, very, very successful when it was still operational but uh, pretty much lost everything overnight and uh, I guess we're just fortunate that we could actually afford to leave the country and uh, all of our family still with us.
0: Continuing his education in Australia, he went on to save his first deposit on a property.
1: So I, uh, I came straight into uh, school, into high school in Australia, um, so finished that then uh, I went into business college, um, did that for 12 months, then into university for three years. And, uh, mate, throughout that time, you know, when you turn 15, you have the choice of, uh, you know, playing lots and lots of sport, which naturally I'd love to have done, um, or to, uh, to start working, um, you know, in part-time jobs here and there. So that's actually how I uh, managed to get into property, actually, is uh, I was working four jobs at the time, uh, you know, from 15 all the way through to probably 19. And, and saved up my first, uh, well, $39,000 for my deposit, which got me into property. I mean, not to sound corny, but, uh, you know, hard work pays off in the end.
0: Yes, yes, I totally agree. And you said four jobs. What kind of jobs were you doing?
1: It was uh, managing my uh, my parents' houses. Uh, you know, so I, uh, I had a, quite an awesome deal when I was at university, which really got me sparked into property investment. Um, they actually got into student accommodation. So part of my job, one of my jobs rather, was... Uh, to help them renovate houses, and, you know, we bought a couple of houses, and they were three bedrooms, four bedrooms at the time. Turned them into eight bedrooms, and uh, one of my jobs was to uh, to manage the properties. Obviously, I subleased them to my buddies, and as opposed to my parents renting out the house, you know, on a standard residential lease, uh, they'd rent it out on a per bedroom basis. So, uh, as you can imagine, having three properties like that, the uh, the positive cash flow was absolutely insane. So. That's how I started, yeah. And then working in pubs, working in farms, uh, you name it, I've sort of done it, I think. Working in restaurants, cleaning dishes.
0: His experience with one of the largest land package developers in Queensland, although not the best job, provided him with knowledge of the fundamentals of property which he needed to gain momentum in the industry.
1: I was there for about, probably about 15 months Uh, and when I first started remembering, I had no experience, no knowledge about how the industry worked. I just had a... I guess a desire to, to make money out of real estate, watching what my parents had done. Uh, my role was basically, you know, you, you get a, a complete stranger, uh, you walk into their house and basically find out what their goals, objectives are, and uh, I guess coach them to come into the office to, to speak to somebody at the time uh, who was more qualified than myself. Um, now, that's not a, uh, I guess a business model that I endorse or, or believe in by any means today, uh, but it did give me the grassroots as to how property works and how the industry actually all comes together.
0: While continuing his property education, Evans used his skills to begin developing.
1: So I actually started when I was at that company and uh, I bought a a, a townhouse in the Central Coast um, which at the time, it actually remained flat for the better part of five or six years didn't actually do anything Um, but I guess understanding how that bad uh, experience happened, I moved to to Sydney and actually worked for one of the biggest companies um, who focused purely on education. You know, how do we actually educate our clients to do different types of strategy, uh, you know, in order to generate generate wealth through using property. And that's where I really started to kickstart my personal property investment career, um, you know, where I started off by doing, you know, very basic sort of uh, development, you know, a normal four-bedroom house and land, made some money out of that, uh, then, you know, did something a little bit more cool and did, you know, building two four-bedroom houses by doing a, uh, a strata title subdivision in a regional town, did very well out of that. Then more blue chip real estate, so blue chip property in Newcastle, blue chip property in, in uh, uh, Brisbane. Uh, but what I realised, Tyrone, is buying blue chip real estate, you kind of like you know buy, wait, hope, and pray that it goes up in value. And so as uh, I guess time progressed, and obviously the savings and equity built up in my portfolio, um, I then got into more uh, development type stuff, where you know building two four four bedroom homes on a corner block and doing a Torrance title subdivision, uh, all the way through now, where we, you know we're using duplexes and mini development. As a to fast track that wealth creation uh, sort of strategy.
0: So what is the difference between strata titling and torrents titling?
1: So I'll, I'll give you the example of the deal that I've done. So the first one, it was actually a property in, in Gunada. Now, it was a 2,000 square meter block and uh, the precedents all around it, which is what you always need to look for, was 600 square meter blocks. And so in my head, being a little bit inexperienced, I figured, hey, I'll buy this 2,000 square meter block. Put two four-bedroom houses on it, and then subdivide it, being you know a thousand square meters each. Which then, once it's subdivided, uh, they have their own individual Torrens title, which means you can sell them individually of each other. Unfortunately, uh, lack of experience is those properties. Uh, you know, you couldn't subdivide them uh, to be Torrens titled, but you could strata title them. So the easiest, uh, I guess, relation to that is if you imagine buying into a townhouse complex or a unit development where there's a body corporate or a strata. You know That's what normally is a, a strata title, where you have some sort of shared space, you have to contribute to the sinking fund, the admin fund, and so on and so forth. So traditionally speaking, uh, in, in the housing market anyway, we always try and aim uh, for torrents title subdivisions, subdivisions, not necessarily strata title subdivisions. If you, if you buy and build and develop a duplex, for example, you know, most duplexes are strata titled the reality of the matter is that you are the only owner, so it's like you're setting up a body corporate for yourself. Do uh, so, so you know what I mean? But if you ever wanted the opportunity to buy one, sell one, uh, sell both, keep both, uh, you know, you really do need to have that option in place uh, where the bank would take individual title over one duplex half or over one property. You know, So uh, the example of my property in Guttada, I, I still own both. I haven't set up a body corporate because I'm setting up a body corporate with myself. But when I intend to sell one, uh, there will need to be a community management scheme set up uh, so that the person buying one of the properties, you know, we can share the common expense of, you know, the driveway for example. So, it's very minor stuff but um, it's it's just an entity or a legal structure of how the property is actually owned.
0: Yeah, it's just these fine little details do make the difference though. That's very interesting.
1: Right. Yeah, huge difference. Uh, and again, I, I guess, you know, the, the other development that I've done in, in Newcastle, I was fortunate enough to buy a a corner block, uh, and based on the town planning rules, you could actually Torrance title this development. You know, so as a Torrens title, uh, you know you don't have to have a community community management scheme set up, you don't have to have a body corporate set up, uh, and you can actually get a whole lot more resale uh, for the property. Uh, you know, purely due to the uh, the legal structure.
0: Coming up after the break, we'll find out why Evans decided to branch out on his own.
1: The reason obviously I've set up my own company now is because I've taken the best practices out of that company from an ethics and a moral point of view and obviously endorsing it for our clients.
0: How he survived one of his worst property development deals.
1: One thing that I did which I guess your listeners can take a lot of uh, value out of is I got very emotional about the developments.
0: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shah and you're listening to Property Investory. Hey podcast listeners, I just wanted to let you know about the podcast show notes I've created for you that you can download at freepropertyresource.com. Inside these show notes, I've included a full summary, details of the resources recommended plus much, much more. Just go to freepropertyresource.com to grab it now. It's free and it'll make the rest of the episode so much more impactful. Again, that's freepropertyresource.com. Now, back to the show. Coming back to his time at the company in Sydney, which focused on property education for their clients, this company's values seemed to shift. And for Evans, he chose to branch out on his own.
1: The reason, obviously, I've set up my own company now is because I've taken the best practices out of that company from a, an ethics and a moral point of view and obviously endorsing it for our clients. Um, so what what they would do is they charge uh, an astronomical fee upfront to join an in inverted commas their mentoring program, um, which when I first started mate was unbelievable. You know we were doing things that really uh, benefited the clients in a, in a really really good way through the different types of strategies and the different property opportunities. But as that company grew, I guess the uh, the types of deals that were presented to our clients changed significantly. Where I guess the benefit shifted away from the client uh, to uh, effectively uh, to themselves as a corporate entity. That experience was well and truly priceless for me because I got to effectively with my business partner, you know, help clients invest in over a billion dollars worth of real estate, you know, so not to sound, you know, big-headed or, or egotistical, but through that, you know, I've seen the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, and, and as you can tell, mate, my, my personality is I know uh, what I've, the mistakes I've made in the past and definitely can see a much brighter uh, strategy and I guess, future moving forward. But that's where I guess people love dealing with us because we are so honest and upfront and I guess can leverage off our experience, uh, you know, not only our mistakes but also um, I guess some of the, the, the good results that we have moving forward.
0: One of Evan's worst moments throughout his journey happened with the Newcastle development which taught him to never get emotional about property and to consider the implications of what you're setting out to do.
1: I guess in property investing uh, over the last decade, it's all been a, a massive learning curve. But um, what's a good example? I'll give you the example of uh, the development I did in, uh, in Newcastle. Now, it was a very, very successful development and I made a, made a lot of money. Uh, but uh, one thing that I did, which I guess your listeners can take a lot of uh, value out of, is I got very emotional about the development. Uh, and I'll give you a few examples. So uh, the first thing I did is I found the land first, um, which, is, uh, which is good. Second of all, I went to uh, an architect and I've got specifically architecturally done drawings uh, to see the highest and best use of what I could do on that block of land. Now with the architectural plans comes a huge expense. I think that cost me about 25 grand in the end. Um, The second thing I I guess I didn't really understand uh, was the implications of a sloping block. Now this uh, block from the top to the bottom had about a one and a half meter fall on it, uh, which I didn't think would be a big deal. But when you talk about the cost of development construction, you know, added a huge, huge, huge amount of uh, cost to actually doing it.
0: And what, what what kind of costs are we looking at? I mean, I know one and a half meters is as as high as I am, but that is a very big <laughs> wall.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. So, mate, you have significant retaining costs. Um, you know, retaining walls, especially because I was doing a mutual subdivision at the time. Um, you know, so the retaining walls is, is is a huge cost. Second of all, you've got things like your drop edge beams, which, not to get too complex, is like your split foundations. You know, So the, the builder can't come in and you know, just do a site scrape straight away and pour a slab and off you go. There's certain site preparations that you actually need to do uh, in order to make that worthwhile. You know, small things like there's a huge amount of trees on the site as well um, which I didn't think would have a huge implication um, but all these sort of things start to build up.
0: After spending thousands in architectural plans, he also had to undertake a great deal of research to determine the best builder for the job.
1: I then thought that I'd uh, learn the ropes, and I actually put my um, DA-approved plans out to tender. Now that tender went out to seven different builders. So as you can imagine, you know, if you have a look at your inclusions with seven different builders, seven different types of products, uh, there was a discrepancy of over two hundred and twelve thousand dollars for the exact same DA-approved plans. You know, so it took me hours and hours and hours to research. Well, what does this builder do that that builder doesn't? What does this builder do that that one doesn't? What are the quality of the fixtures and the finishes? So for me, that was another huge, huge thing. Um, I also didn't really understand at the time, you know, what the implications were for things like your council contributions and your headworks charges, you know. So as, as your listeners may or may not know, whenever you're adding density to a site or to a, to a parcel of land, the council puts their hands up to improve the services in the area. You know, that's for your local schools, your libraries, your parks, uh, your green space. Uh, and then you've got other, other people that you have to deal with, like Hunter Water, you know, to increase the, uh, the sewerage and the water facilities on the actual sites as well. So all that sort of stuff, whilst I had a good understanding of it, I didn't really understand the, the, the implications of how much that actually impacts on your bottom line. So the learning lesson for me in hindsight is it's good to find sites, but if you approach builders that have already got the specific housing designs that would suit that particular uh, type of land, that's a huge, huge thing to do. Uh, I also spent a, a fortune on landscaping, and I know that's really weird. But at the time, I wanted to be, uh, you know, a young gun developer where I could drive past and, you know, almost be, I guess, a little bit egotistical to show family, friends uh, about how good I am as a developer. But in all reality, I, I drove past three months later, and you know, the, the, the tenants don't look after the property like you would look after your own home. You know, so that was a complete waste of money.
0: Having partaken in a handful of developments before this. This was around the same time he began attempting some of his own projects.
1: Personally, I'd done four or five, four probably before that. Um, but obviously, helping clients and learning the ropes, you know, over the past six, seven years prior to that, uh, you know, I'd seen a whole bunch of, uh, uh, of, of developments. But I guess this is the, the second or third one that I try to do on my own, uh, by kind of ignoring the, the basics to some extent.
0: Despite the negative aspects of the Newcastle deal, it was also when everything clicked into place for Evans where all he had to do was to sign some paperwork to succeed.
1: I mean, I've, I've always heard of a lot of clients that you know, spend an absolute fortune doing renovations and subdivisions and made, some people have made money, others haven't um, but my aha moment was when I did uh, you know, that, that development in, uh, in Newcastle where um, I had a look around where I was, I was working at the time and literally within the space of you know, 50 meters, there's all the professionals that I needed to, to do a successful development or a successful project. That's things like your acquisitions team, your finance, your legals, your accounting. Uh, and that was my aha moment, which is why I really endorse, I guess, the, the forcing equity on a portfolio now, where realistically, mate, I've made in excess of, you know, my latest deal, $165,000. And literally, Tyrone, all I've had to do is sign some paperwork. Like, it's phenomenal. So, um, my aha moment was like, listen, if you've got time to sign some paperwork, get prof- professionals around you to, to sort of do the rest.
0: For those looking to get into property or improve how they analyze potential investments, Evan shares some of the resources he uses.
1: I'm, I'm a bit of a sponge when it comes to listening to all bits of information uh, but with that comes certain challenges because uh, you need to sometimes I look at the, the hidden agenda behind certain information that's publicly available uh, but I've always been a huge YouTube fan and it's not specifically related to property but it's more so right around things like your mindset uh, You know, because when you're investing in property, certain setbacks and challenges are inevitable. But it really, in order to create a successful journey, it's, it's how you actually overcome those. So myself, you know, I sign up to pretty much every market commentator there is uh, in Australia, just through their YouTube channels, uh, you know, through their magazines, through uh, looking at stuff on the internet, on their websites. But I also make sure that I look at um, factual-based research, you know, so things like your RP data, uh, your core logic, your, um, your cordells BIS shrapnel, um, SQM research. So these, these types of research houses don't have a hidden agenda. They purely make, you know, their publications based on the facts. You know, things like, uh, you know, BIS shrapnel that comes out once a quarter. They're white pa- papers. Um, so that's what I sort of do. You know, you look at market trends. You look at market commentators. Uh, but realistically, when it comes to property investing, you always want to start looking at the macro drivers. You know, what are the population doing? What's the infrastructure doing, both public and private? Where are all the jobs getting created? And then in my own personal portfolio, I then look at all the micro drivers. What's the demand and supply? What's the yield variation? What are the vacancy rates doing? What are the days on mark and how quickly is this actually going to sell? What are the demographics of the people that are going to be buying this property or reselling it to them? So there's quite a a huge array of different stuff that I guess I follow personally um, and it really just comes down to uh, how much time you have to sort of do it all.
0: There's also a set of criteria that he considers and endorses to his clients when determining what property to buy and it's as easy as pie.
1: One of the things that we do now is uh, I have a full-time acquisitions team. Uh, so my business partner, Damian Lee, he heads up that team. So their only job Tyrone is to research the markets and find opportunities um, that specifically are going to help set our clients up. Where, where I guess I sort of fit in is my role is to make sure that uh, from a strategic point of view, certain properties are going to help sort of set you up and achieve your goals um, above others. So. When we do look at uh, any type of opportunity, it, we always follow the pie principle. You know, so property investing should be as easy as pie as a starting point. What's the population? What's the infrastructure? And where are all the jobs, the employment nodes? We then dive down into all the micro factors. Now, every opportunity that we look at will have anywhere from sort of 30 to 50 pages worth of research and due diligence on the opportunity. And this is one thing that I guess that uh, it's really important for all your listeners is you should always do your own research and due diligence. And myself personally, and this is what I endorse to all of my clients, is you know, plan for the worst, but hope for the best. You know, on a worst case scenario, is your portfolio going to be okay? You know, if you don't have tenants, more so when you don't have tenants, not if interest rates are going up, when interest rates are going up. You know, things like that, if you're going to be okay, at least that way, you know, on a worst case scenario, um, you're absolutely gonna be able to weather the storms, which I guess is inevitable in any type of property investment.
0: Inspired by Evan's property journey, we'll continue the conversation in a future episode on Property Investory. We'll discuss his strategy.
1: Our value proposition I guess if you like is we talk about adding the value, double the value of your salary to your property portfolio every 12 to 18 months.
0: The personal habits which have contributed to his success.
1: But if you have a professional team around you that have pretty much seen every type of property, uh, there is uh, the good, the bad, the ugly, uh, it's definitely a very good starting point.
0: And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Also, if you haven't subscribed to receive your free property case studies that I only send out exclusively via email, you can text me your email address to 0499881040 to subscribe. These real case studies are from experienced property investors where they share specific numbers of their portfolio, the strategies and much more. Simply text me your email address to 0499881040 to get your free case studies. Thanks for listening.